Thank you for tuning in to Murder Sandwich, a true crime and mystery podcast. I am Vicki James, and today I'm joined by one of my best friends, Tasha. Hello, everybody. So we are going to be covering the case of Ed and Lorraine Warren, but I guess I guess we shouldn't really call it a case. We're just going to be talking about Ed and Lorraine Warren. They're the two paranormal investigators that are behind the Conjuring series and universe. So we're kind of just be going through their life and a little bit of their controversies, their most popular cases, and kind of going on the mystery side of the true crime and mystery side of the podcast. I'm so excited for this. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so Tasha's the perfect one for this because she's actually seen all of the movies, um, and I have not. So I've seen a good chunk, but not all of them. We'll just jump right into it. And as always, I just want to say that we will be covering some, you know, strong content today. So listener discretion is advised. Not as gruesome as some last ones, thankfully. The more paranormal side of things. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) So grab a roast beef, a turkey crayon, or a tomato and cheese sandwich, and let's mow down on some true crime. Uh, There wasn't a ton of information on them in their early life, but Ed's full name is Edward Warren Minnie, actually, and he was born on September 7th, 1926. I actually found another report that said December 7th, but more often they said September. So we're just going to go with he's a Virgo. I like that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then Lorraine Ritter Warren was born on January 31st, 1927, and they both resided in Bridgeport, Connecticut in the United States. They actually first met in 1943. They were both 16, and he worked at a colonial theater as an usher, and that's where they met. And they did get married two years later, and they only had one child who they named Judy. So Lorraine did attend a school called Lorton Hall. It's a Catholic girls' high school in Milford, Connecticut, which, like, poor her. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And before they got married, Ed did actually serve with the United States Navy during World War II. He actually claimed to have a near-death experience while he served in the Navy. A ship that he was on actually collided with an oil tanker in the middle of the North Atlantic. A fire erupted, and all of the men on the ship had to jump overboard. What? Yeah. That's crazy. And he was in the icy water and eventually was rescued. But when he came home, that's when he immediately asked Lorraine to marry him. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. it would be like that, just the fear of everything. And yeah. And like being like, no, I need, you're who I wanted to be with. And you yeah. know what? When you said also that Lorraine attended the Catholic girls' school, there was some kind of like talk of how the nun movie that it was actually Lorraine who was the younger nun in the movies apparently yeah, I actually read a note about that saying that like the nun is not part of the not like a, it's not a true story or anything like no. that but it's supposed to be like how Lorraine kind of found out that she had like these clairvoyant abilities yeah. which I thought was really interesting and I actually have seen the most recent one and Tasha hasn't. Yeah, which... But they do talk about how they met and they actually do say that they met at a theater. So they do correlate with that. That actually is in Annabelle Comes Home, which is what I watched today as well. Just for my little refresher, it did the whole little scene of how they met and everything as well. So I was like, I just remember that. (laughs) (laughs) So when he came back from the war, he signed up for painting classes and he actually learned how to paint. And at the same time, he was self-teaching himself how to be a demonologist which is exactly how it sounds and is the study of demons <laughs> and basically the hierarchy of demons. I looked at the technical definition to see if there's anything that wasn't 
obvious about it. And they just basically said it could be a non-human, separable soul or discarnate spirits, which have never inhabited a body. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. So Lorraine, she had experienced this from a young age, as we said, and she was blessed with the power of clairvoyancy, so psychic abilities. And she just kind of lived with that for a while, I guess. I actually have never seen the nun movie, so. Yeah. And you know, and it's like I said, it was more of like a, um, said that that was her story even though they didn't really put it out there mm-hmm. but it just kind of like was like you said her discovering it and how to use those yeah. and like be aware of it even in the um annabelle comes home one the very beginning they're like she's sitting in a car while he's at his like fixing their car and uh there's spirits all around and she's just like okay cool like this is my life and it's just like <laughs> i couldn't imagine that and like just being like oh they're all around me holy like, yeah, i don't know exactly. what to do like that growing up to learn what to do with it would be crazy yeah super creepy right <laughs> before they ever became paranormal investigators they actually would make paintings and they would paint <laughs> um i don't even know how to say this they, like, they would paint a house like that in their town or whatever that they thought maybe had hauntings. And then the way that they would gain access to this person's residence that they like show up and announce and be like, Hey, we like painted your house. Weird like, that. do you want this painting? And then that's how they would like gain a trust and entry into these people's houses and be able to investigate their like paranormal activity. That's crazy. They yeah. just walk in there and then I bet she would be able to feel if the presence was there. Yeah. Instantaneously. Wow. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting. And there is pictures online of like him painting the houses and they're not bad, but that's how they that's how they first wanted to make their money is just paintings and then I think it like morphed into something else. Built into it, yeah. But they eventually gained like they were quite popular and they were called upon when there was like outbreaks of activity and they worked on products with other what you would call like light mediums which i guess is what lorraine considered herself to be which is more like a light medium they all sorts of catholic priests who practice exorcisms quite often as well so in 1952 the warrens established the new england society for psychic research with the sole aim of just treating possessed people this society is the oldest haunting group in New England, like, even to this day. Yeah, I've heard about it. Yeah. yeah that's crazy. And they've apparently investigated over 10,000 cases during their career. <laughs> and then in addition to these investigations, they did run uh, the Warren's Occult Museum, which is now closed. It was closed in 2019 due to zoning violations. This was lo- actually located in the back of their house, which is true from the movies, in Monroe, Connecticut, with the help of their son-in-law. And the museum actually held claimed haunted artifacts from their investigations from all around the world. Yeah, they took everything. Yeah, which is super creepy, and I would never want that in my house. Oh, I know, and they had their house blessed, right? Yeah. I think it was once a week or something. They had to have it come in, or have, had to have someone come in and bless it once a week. Like, once a oh, week to have it blessed? That is terrifying. It is terrifying. <laughs> so basically i'm just going to talk about their six most popular cases and basically they are going to line as best as they can with the movies so the first one i'll talk about is from the conjuring one and it's the perrin family haunting so roger perrin and his wife carolyn and their family moved into a new home in harrisville rhode island in 1970 the country home was once occupied by someone named Bathsheba thayer and her children, three of them whom died young. So I did get conflicting kind of stuff. I think seven children had actually died in total, but one of them did, like, she did have a child who lived. Like, there is reports of that. Yeah. So I'm not sure 
exactly, but the best one, or not the best one, I don't want to say the best, children died, but (laughs) the one that was the most, like, popular was that three of them died. Yeah, the one that kept coming back, basically, was that. And then this tragedy created, like, lots of suspicion in the small town, because, like, all these children are dying with this, like, one person. So she got the the stupid stigma of being a witch (laughs) within the town, and she was massively snubbed, so she actually ended up hanging herself in the backyard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that case is totally covered in the country and they show the hanging and all of that super fun stuff. So um, the parents moved into the house. They didn't know that that history existed at the time. And they experienced ghostly communication, appearances, disembodied voices, furniture moving around on their own. And spirits were playing with the children during their stay in the house. And then they also smelled rotting flesh like all the time. Yeah, yeah, Ugh. Gross. Yes, so gross. A ghost uh, was reported to even slap and pinched Carolyn out of jealousy because she exhibited motherly care for her family. And apparently she also touched Roger inappropriately on other occasions. Really? (laughs) Can you imagine being like, honey, someone just touched my dick. (laughs) (laughs) I was just trying to get me. Oh my God. (laughs) And when I read that, I was like, "Mm, what? (laughs) Try to like explain that. Like how? Uh, Yeah. Alrighty then. So in 1974, the Warrens were invited by the family to help and would continue through the years. At one point, they did complete a seance where Carolyn did become possessed and spoke in a foreign language, and she actually rose off the ground in her chair. But after the seance, Roger kicked out the Warrens. They felt like it made it worse. Yeah. And they actually were forced to stay into the house until 1980 due to financial instability and like dealt with really weird occurrences after that. And they totally felt like they were being haunted by Bethesda. Bethesda Affair. I know, such a crazy name. That was the first movie, which was pretty crazy. Oh, yeah, especially just to jump in like that. I remember that scene even of her in the chair, like, rising up, and then I think it's Lorraine is... She ends up putting, like, a towel over her or something, like, a blanket over top of her because she was trying to bite. And, like, it's just crazy that, like, the spirits can actually, like, harm and become hostile. And And I actually really liked that movie. Like, I'm pretty picky with horror movies. I really liked The Conjuring. Yeah, it actually got down to a level where it... Was creepy. It was creepy, yeah. A lot of movies nowadays you end up laughing at. You're like, is this I'm not a jump scare person. I like like creepiness. (laughs) Like, I like it to, like stay with you yeah <laughs> which is a little morbid but you know what I mean like that's a good horror movie exactly if you think about it like that reminds me totally awesome like when I was like I don't know when the grudge originally came mm. out and that movie came out I remember I taped my closet shut when I came home <laughs> from the theater because I was so afraid that it would just slowly open and I'd see those beady like eyes yeah. staring back at me and I was like oh my god and it stayed with me and I still to this day remember how much like I watch it and I just get like that chill from yeah. it but like yeah, that, that kind of movie. I just like the creepy. And that's why I go towards, like, paranormal gender, yeah. which, I mean, grudge isn't. But, I mean, that for the most yeah. part. Just, I yeah. didn't see the grudge at all till way later. So, so many people had talked about it that it just, like, wasn't scary anymore. No, yeah. it's And you know what? I think I would have been, like, 11 or 12. We weren't very old when I came Yeah, out. so to see that at, like, 11 or 12 years old and to not hear anything about it prior. Because you probably seen when you were more, like, 14 or something. Oh, yeah, like, like, it was, like, years. Yeah. And I was like, this is stupid. Oh, yeah. Like, now it's just <laughs> Of like, like I'm like, oh, I did not like how I felt. I can remember how I felt, but I see it now, and I'm like, okay, seriously. That's like the ring. Like, I thought the ring was so scary. With the first couple times I watched it, I was like, this is so disturbing. And then I saw it, like, just a few years ago again. Like, only half of it. And I was like, this movie sucks. See with the face? Like, when they would see it? So, yeah. 
I was like so scared. So was but I. now I'm like, oh my god, like big whoop. I know. Just like, a disturbed young little girl. I literally remember like when they would play the video, I was like, okay, we'll watch it. Like I would be watching the movie, but I'd be afraid to watch the video on the movie because yeah. I was like, I don't want to get that crazy ass face and die. But now I like watch it and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, why was I even scared? It's so dumb. I know. <laughs> anyway. Movie rant there. <laughs> So this one actually wasn't covered in the Conjuring series, but this one is very popular. We're talking about the Amityville Horror Case or American Murder House. So I might be wrong. I'm pretty sure that Ryan Reynolds played in this movie way back in the day, like early 2000s, I think was the last movie. Early 2000s. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's so many remakes of Amityville, but yeah, he did do one of the remakes. Yeah. I don't. And then because I haven't seen all the Conjurings, I did read a note that this is mentioned in one of them, but it's not a story in one of them, but it is like mentioned that they worked on it. Like they are like, Oh yeah. Like the Amityville case, they kind of like just mention it in passing. passing. But this is really popular for the people who don't know about it. So basically a family named the Lutz family owned a residence in a suburban town called Amityville. That's in long Island. But before the family moved into the house in 1975, uh, there actually was a massive murder in the house which was from a guy named Ronald Defoe, and he killed six of his family members. So just November 13th, 1974, so a year before they moved in, Ronald, he was the oldest of five children, he alerted the police that his parents and his four siblings had been killed. He was 23, and he was immediately arrested. He totally admitted to committing the crimes right away, but he actually hoped to escape from punishment with the insanity plea because he stated that voices were inside his head and that drove him to kill his family. So the Lutz family moved in a year later. They were not told about this event inside the house. So they also heard these hostile voices. Uh, what voices? <laughs> <laughs> the swarming of flies, levitations, door banging, uh, unseen entities, movements. And then they also experienced green slime, like oozing out of walls and keyholes, like you. They didn't have to release information like that, though, back in the day if people bought houses. I don't think so. And like, some states are different. Like, I th- I think you have to in some places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I know it's different now. Like, And I think, too, there's places, there's, like, loopholes where if you don't ask about it, they don't have to. So, I mean, yeah. why would you think? I feel like that'd be, like, my first question. <laughs> I know, right? No, because of my life and how much I'm into horror movies, I'd be like, hey, so what happened here? But I think, like, a quick Google now. You <laughs> oh, know what I mean? Like, back in the day, totally. like, it was, like, if you didn't live there and you're moving to a small town from, like, across the country, like, how would you ever know? You wouldn't. There's no chance. But if someone, like, walked up to me in the grocery store and was like, you're in the Amityville house, I'd instantly move when someone would tell me that story. Oh, yeah, that story is... I, that was one of the first horror movies I ever watched, and, like... Yeah, it's been, like, a really long time, but, like, I distinctly oh. remember that one, mm-hmm. and being, like, pretty creeped out. And the flies, and, like, the priest in the bathroom, I think it was. I'm, no, 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 the I'm such a girl that the one scene I remember when I think of it is him chopping wood shirtless. Oh, that, that's Ryan Reynolds, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking of, like, the 1981 Oh, movie. I never saw that one. That was the old... That was, I mean, I was the first one I've seen, and the priest was upstairs, and he's in, like, a spare bedroom, and it's the flies are coming at him and stuff and they do a remake of it in like scary movie like or something oh. stupid and like he's in the bathroom that's why i remember the bathroom 
and it's really gross. <laughs> but, you know, scary movies yeah. all that. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen that one. If I did, I was obviously really young. Oh, yeah. I believe it was, like, it would have came out in 1989 or 85, somewhere in that era of time. And, yeah, it's it would be so hard to watch now. <laughs> I bet you even the Ryan Reynolds one would be hard to watch. Yeah, now. honestly, like, early 2000 movies are even hard to watch sometimes. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what? <laughs> So it is said that George Lutz, so this is the dad of the of the family. So he actually apparently woke up at 3.15 in the morning every day, which is said to be the time that the murders actually took place. The Lutz family did take a lie detector test to prove their innocence in regards to like these things happening to them, and they totally passed. And then after the Warrens were invited to the house, the Lutz family had already left Mm -hmm. and moved out. Like, they were over it already. And they came along with a local TV crew, and they were taking photos and stuff. And they actually filmed a boy with glowing eyes at one point, apparently. I couldn't find the actual video. But they just said that the verdict was basically that it was cursed. Yeah, so many murders and just anger. In that house. Lots. Yeah. So in 1979, so this is a few years later, a lawyer who was involved with the case, his name was William Weber. He came out and reported that him and his friend Jay Anson investigated the horror story over many bottles of wine and apparently like made it up. Like they said that they just made the whole thing up and everyone just went along with it. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Say with that as you want, I guess. Mm-hmm. But the Amityville house was finally sold up in February of 2017 to an undisclosed owner for 605000 which is $200,000 less than the original asking price. It had been previously owned by four other families since the murders, and then one of them actually changed the address from uh, to 108 Ocean Avenue, and it used to be 112. Huh. <laughs> so they were, like, sick and tired of people, like, Googling their house, I guess. Oh, I bet. I bet it was so bad. I would never well, live in there after. Wanna, would you just buy it to own it? Like, I feel like I would not. I would not want any tie to that house. Like, to not even ever go near it. Like, I don't like the other cases I've done. Like, if it's like a murders that happened in a house, like with um, like with the killer clown. Yeah, he the house was destroyed. Mm-hmm. Like they were like no bueno. Well, but he also buried all of them in the crawl space. So, <laughs> but like still, I don't know. I just, I feel like if you were to ever buy a house like that, just destroy it and like yeah, build from I, the ground. I don't even, I wouldn't even want to build on that land. Like, no. like is just, it really nice land? Like what's the deal? Here? I know. Can you just like close it off and put some trees on it and call the day? Yeah. Here's my fruit place. I have apple trees here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't want to live there. No. But also 600,000. I don't know. For in Long Island, I don't really know. I don't know what the real estate would be there. So, but like those people probably lost money if it's two hundred thousand dollars. They probably just didn't want to. They just probably like take it, please. Like, yeah, like get it off my hands. Whatever their neighbors thought. Could <laughs> you imagine being neighbors to that house? Oh my god, are no. you living near it? No, no, thank no. you. So that's basically Amityville Horror. Um, if anyone wants to deep dive more into that or watch a couple shitty movies, then by all means, I think it's probably one of the most remade so story. Funny. Like. Like, a lot of people know about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you don't, there's you can remove the rock that you're under. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the third case is Annabelle. There's been, like, what, three movies on Annabelle now? I believe so. And she's mentioned in every single one of the Conjuring Universe movies. Yeah, because she's the biggest case. Yeah. Like, by far. So in 1970, a raggedy Ann doll was purchased in an antique store and was given to a young lady by her mom. The doll is said to have attacked people in the night at the lodge where the young girl lived and where some of her friends lived as well. According to reports, it crawled into bed and almost strangled a fiancé of one of her roommates in the building. 
<clears throat> the roommate employed the service of a medium eventually, and they advised the girls that the doll was possessed of a spirit of a dead seven-year-old girl named Annabelle Higgins. Yeah. They called upon the Warrens who performed a blessing in the residence before taking the doll into the Warrens' Connecticut Occult Museum. There's actually a warning on the glass box that she is to not be touched, and she's then inhabited by an inhuman spirit. So a couple stories on that is one museum goer actually ignored the warnings and taunted the doll, and he actually died in a motorcycle crash after he left the museum. Yeah, I heard about that. That's yeah. crazy. And then a priest once visited the museums and threw the doll across the room, proclaiming that God was more powerful than the devil. And when he was on his way back to the rectory, which is like a place where priests go, I had to Google it because I was like, what's a rectory? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> he, he got into a serious accident with a tractor trailer, and he actually claimed to have seen the doll in his rear mirror right before the crash. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Doing a little raggedy ad and all, just being like, yo, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> so the Annabelle movies do go, like, way further than what it was ever reported. So it seems like there was really strange occurrences. And then, like, they immediately took the doll. Mm-hmm. But I think it was a great strategy for some movies. Because, like, a creepy, possessed doll, oh, hells yeah. no. Yeah, and definitely not the Raggedy Ann doll. Cause, like, I it's just, not a Raggedy Ann. No, Anne. it's just a really creepy-ass doll. <laughs> I only watched the first Annabelle. I actually wasn't a huge fan because it reminded me of Chucky. And I was like, it's like they do film it like in a room and then you just see like a shadow. And I'm like, it's a doll. Like, kick it. <laughs> I just, like, I think the good thing with Chucky, though, is that Chucky actually runs around and, like, holds a knife and chases you. Where all of a sudden Annabelle, like, moves slightly to the right, just slightly falls over. And you're like, ah! <laughs> You're like, oh my god, I can't handle it. Like, yeah, but the thing, wasn't Annabelle, though, um, in one of the movies, I'm pretty sure, little girl that inhabits her was hit by a vehicle. And oh. that is, and she was holding the Raggedy Ann doll. Mm-hmm. And that is that that little girl's spirit went into that doll. That is in one of the movies. I believe her dad and her were fixing the vehicle and she ran out in front of like a semi truck or something like that. I haven't oh. watched that movie in a while, but that's why the Raggedy Ann doll. And I'm pretty sure they kept the doll and, and then like the spirit was so attached to that to the doll. <laughs> just, that is pretty crazy. Yeah. I would not. Like, I don't know. I The Annabelle doll in the movies is really creepy, but I think a possessed Raggedy Ann doll is actually creepier. Because it looks so happy. Oh, yeah. But the Annabelle in the movie is, like, a hauntingly terrifying doll. Oh, like, it's... looking at it is scary, but a Raggedy Ann you would never know. No, and that's it. Exactly. <laughs> I was thinking that, too, because I was literally watching it, and I was just like, hey, this doll literally has blood smeared on the side of her face. I was like, this is terrifying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, but if you had me a little Raggedy Ann doll with the crazy red hair and a big-ass smile, I'd be like, okay, well, this is the cutest little thing. Like, sure, whatever. But no, that thing I wouldn't want near me. Like, yeah. <laughs> Plus, like, who buys that kind of doll? Go Hollywood, 100% on that yeah, one. Like, exactly. <laughs> They're like, we can't do Raggedy Ann. It's too nice looking. Let's smear some blood on this face. (laughs) And make her look like a tiny little, like, angry little woman. Like, I don't even know how to describe what that doll looks like. I hate that doll. I know. And, like, when I was growing up, my mom always had, always gave me porcelain dolls. And, like, I just see that just being a porcelain doll that has literally had the hardest life. (laughs) (laughs) Like, why do you look so angry in life? (laughs) Oh, wait, you're haunting people. Never mind. (laughs) Yeah, like, no. 
great. So I think there's three movies on that if you guys ever want to go down there. I've actually only seen the first one. It wasn't awful. I don't think it's the best one in the Conjuring universe by any means. Annabelle Comes Home is probably my favorite Annabelle one. Yeah. Yeah, because it it actually includes a bunch of the other stories because a girl goes into their museum and touches everything. So, Mm. like, there's there's so many of them that come. Yeah to life or whatever you want to say and they are just in there in there so it's just really cool to see that one yeah i should check that one out at least yeah that one's way better <laughs> so the next one is the haunting of connecticut or the snedecker house so this is actually not one that's technically in the conjuring universe but there has been a movie adaptation about it that came out in 2009 that's very loosely based on this case so in 1986 the snedecker family which is alan and carmen their three sons one daughter and then their two nieces big family, moved into a simple white duplex rental home in Southington, Connecticut. The Warrens arrived and proclaimed that the Snedecker house, which was a former funeral home, was infested with demons. So the Snedecker family found tons of tools in the basement that also said that they were in a previous funeral home. So they had like embalming tables, like tools, all these devices. Oh, yeah. Super creepy. That'd be a place to live. (laughs) Yeah. So the Warrens came to investigate as the owners of the home claimed that their oldest son was experiencing, like, lots of personality changes and was becoming quite violent. They also stated that apparitions would appear throughout the home, even hearing, like, hundreds of birds taking flight at once, like, inside their house, which is... What? Yeah, that'd be weird. Yeah. So during one episode, the oldest son even attacked one of his cousins and tried to rape her. And other reports by the Snedeckers included the repeating and brutal rape of both Carmen and her niece, as well as acts of sodomy being performed on her husband by unseen entities. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's so crazy. mop water would even turn red, and then they also had sense of rotting flesh. Oh, again, that comes up in this. Yeah. That is so weird. It's disgusting. Gross. So the oldest son was also going through treatment for a Hodgkin's disease, which is like a type of lymphoma. And he also was diagnosed later with schizophrenia. So the family did end up staying in the house for two years before leaving, which, oh my God. (laughs) And a paranormal investigator named Benjamin Radford, he said later um, in regards to this case, because he was also involved with Lorraine and Ed, he said that if Lorraine ever told me the sun would come up tomorrow, I'd get a second opinion. Oh, He was like not convinced at all that she was legit. (laughs) that's crazy yeah so no one ever who has lived there after has ever reported seeing anything weird and then the author who was contracted to write the story in the house stated that there was conflicting stories from every single member of the family and that he actually was asked to embellish the stories that he heard wow that's crazy just because just to to make the story yeah i actually have seen the haunting in connecticut when i was reading it up i remember a few scenes from it i haven't seen it in years probably when it first came out the one scene i remember is i'm pretty sure this is the movie that it's in is he's like in a room in the basement that used to be where they found the tools and stuff and he wakes up and there's like a ton of writing on the wall i remember there's like lots of like kind of like that one saw scene there's like writing literally all over the wall and i think that's i think that's it and i remember he has like um, like ectoplasm come out of his mouth at one point or oh, something weird. like that. Yeah, I think I need to watch it again. It's been yeah. a really long time. But it's like pretty loosely based. Yeah. And I would, from the sounds of it, I can kind of see why. Yeah, no, definitely. It's something that just kind of like, again, ties in in a yeah. sense. But yeah, yeah. is there. <laughs> so this next one is the trial of Arnie Cheyenne Johnson. So this is the move, the most recent one, The Devil Made Me Do It. It's actually called The Devil Made Me Do It Case. 
1981, Arnie Cheyenne Johnson was accused of killing his landlord, Alan Bono. Alan had died from multiple stab wounds, and Arnie was actually found walking down the highway with blood all over himself. The Warrens had been called prior to the killings, actually, because there was an alleged demonic possession of Arnie's fiance's younger brother, who was named David. They claimed that the demon moved from David into Arnie and that now he was possessed when he committed the murder. So the the movie actually follows that part, like, pretty well. Yeah. Uh, so at trial, he pleaded not guilty for the reason of demonic possession, which was the first ever in America. Unfortunately, he was completely unsuccessful with the plea. The judge totally disregarded the theory. And they sentenced Arnie to prison, but he only served five years before he was even released. <laughs> wow. His fiance actually waited for him, and they still, like, got married and had, like, a whole life and everything. And, yeah, the movie, like, just came out. Yeah, I can't wait to see that one. And it's just so interesting that he actually, like, pleaded that, you know, being one of the first case person to ever do that. But, yeah, it's like, hey, good luck. You're the first one. Solid effort, though. <laughs> yeah, like, it didn't work. Like, 1981, no. people were probably like, you're what (laughs) maybe in 2021 you get away with that i don't even know though i don't know yeah because it's like the thing is is there's just no evidence that's the thing with paranormal there never will be it's always a he said she said type thing because it's like like in that other one how every family member had conflicting stories you'll never get the same story yeah so like it's either totally a hoax yeah or it actually happened and everyone just had a different experience with it exactly so yeah yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I liked the movie. It The ending kind of went in a totally different direction from the beginning, um, which is fine. But it was really interesting. Like, I, I looked him up after the movie and was like, is this, like, real? Is this based on a true story? And I read a little bit. And they did the whole murder part, like, was pretty accurate from what I read. Which is good. I mean, it's nice when they keep that part the same because with Hollywood yeah. movies, they just want to spice it up and change things yeah. so much. So... That is good. I, I can't wait to see it, though. I just... Because it just... With someone who's seen all of them, it would be really cool to tie it all in together. Yeah, for sure. So the last case we'll go over with them is called the Enfield Poltergeist. So this is in 1977. The Warrens investigated claims that a family in North London um, in a suburb called Enfield was haunted by poltergeist activity. So this is actually the inspiration for The Conjuring 2. A number of people observed that the incident was a hoax and was just carried out by attention-hungry children. (laughs) Although the Warrens were convinced that it was a case of demonic possession, critics do say that the Warrens were involved way to a lesser degree than the movie portrayed. They actually had shown up to the scene completely uninvited and were actually refused to even come into the house. I heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. They were, like, super not involved. But, oh well. Um, I actually, I saw the movie once. I didn't mind it. The story is uh, that it's between 1977 and 1979 that this supernatural activity happened. And it was reported from a house in London and it involved two sisters. So 11-year-old Janet and 13-year-old Margaret. Fun fact, my mom's name is Janet, my grandma's name is Margaret, and my middle name is Margaret. So super weird. And my grandma's also from England. When you said fun fact, I instantly thought about that. That is really funny. (laughs) I was like, I wonder if she's going to say, oh, she said it. Yeah. (laughs) Super weird. That's so funny. 
So the mother of the two girls, whose name is Peggy Hodgson, called the police to her rented home, which is weird. I don't know why. I just like wrote that down, but they made it very clear that these houses were rented in the stories, which I like, who cares if it was rented or That's owned? That's so random. But it makes me think, like, are they saying that because they're like, oh, if they owned the house, it wouldn't haunt them because then they would own it. And maybe the people who do own it are like carrying the haunting. Like it was just... I don't know. That's just a weird concept. They though, to all think about. like made it clear if they rented. owned or rented, and it's half and half for these, which is really weird though. Like you said, it's just like, what does that matter in a story of any sort? Like no. somebody rents or owns something, but yeah, that would make me think too. Like, okay, does that mean that the owners like are the ones that own this like type thing? Yeah. Like that's it's weird. That is weird. So uh, yeah, so. They She called police to her house and claimed that she had witnessed furniture moving around. And then the four children had heard knocking sounds heard all over the walls. So while a police constable was there, she actually did report that a chair like wobbled and slid, but could not determine the cause of the movement. And then later claims included disembodied voices, loud noises, thrown toys, overturned furniture, children levitating. That's a sight. Yeah. (laughs) And then this one actually does include the neighbors. So over the next period of 18 months, more than 30 people, which are neighbors, psychic researchers, journalists, like friends of the family, they all saw like heavy furniture moving on its own accord and then like items being thrown around the room. See, and I always wonder about, like, if neighbors, pay, you know, if there is, like, a haunting happening literally next door, would you know it? You know? Like, yeah. I always wonder that. So that's interesting. That was the only one that ever said anything about the neighbors. Right. But it makes me think they're all really rural areas. Well, so like, do they have neighbors close by? Like, London, yeah. you can literally, like, touch your neighbor out your window. Right there. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not surprised that they heard something because maybe a toy f- f- fell inside their house. Like, who knows? Like, oh, I heard that happen right next door. <laughs> but, like, Amityville, I'm pretty sure that was, a, like, a had like acreage whereas yeah. the people next door would you had to drive down a road to even get to yeah and then so. like the first conjuring movie it was like an acreage it was like it a was. farm in the middle of they nowhere. had their own i think only access to their own lake or creek yeah. or whatever it was yeah. yeah so again rule so so i only went through six cases those are the most popular so there's some like questions on the validity but oh well but i actually wrote a lot about some controversies and this is the in my opinion, the most interesting part. So the Warrens were very religious, actually. So they stated that demonic forces are likely only to possess people who lack faith. You have to go to church if you don't want to be possessed by a demon. (laughs) All righty then. (laughs) So I just wanted to add that in there. In case anyone's worried. Go to church. Yeah. (laughs) So right after The Conjuring came out in 2013, the top studio executives were actually made aware of allegations about Ed Warren and his relationship with this underage girl. And this happened and started in the 1960s. So Ed Warren apparently initiated a relationship with someone named Judith Penny, who at this time in 2013 was in her 70s. And she actually had a sworn declaration that she lived in the Warren's house as Ed's lover for four decades. And they named their daughter Judy? Yes. So the story, yeah, the story is that Ed was in his mid-30s and Penny was 15 years old. Ed was not yet part of any fame or paranormal investigation at this point. It was actually a city bus driver in Monroe, Connecticut. And the two became an amorous relationship. And by 1963, she actually moved into the Warrens' home. And for the next 40 years, had a complete sexual relationship with Ed 
and was totally, like, Lorraine totally knew. What? Yeah. At first, Penny actually stayed in the bedroom directly across the room from the married couple, but she eventually had an apartment built for her above their house. And so she was quoted to say, oh, one night he'd sleep downstairs and then one night he'd sleep upstairs. So she was like a sister wife. Yes. Without even really knowing it. Judy, the daughter, never resided there the whole time she was there. And apparently Judy lived with Lorraine's mother. Oh. So this is like the her, their actual daughter. Interesting. Yeah. So in 1963, people started to notice that a teenage girl had moved in with them. So the police actually came and arrested, was arrested, because someone reported her relationship with Ed to the local police. She spent the night in this North End prison in Bridgeport, Connecticut, where they tried to persuade her into signing a statement admitting to an affair. Like that, like what? That makes no sense. Okay. Yeah. So Penny refused to cooperate. She was, I'm calling her Penny because I don't want to get confused with her, their daughter. Yeah. Because that's super weird. Yeah. So she refused to cooperate. She was ordered by the court to report to a delinquent youth office for the next month. According to Penny, Ed actually picked her up from school every week and drove her to her mandated meetings. Alrighty. Penny also (laughs) claims that Ed told her many times that she was the love of his life. In May of 1978, she was in her 30s now. Penny did become pregnant with Ed's child. This is according to her. There is no, like, evidence of anything. Yeah. Lorraine persuaded her to have an abortion because the birth of a child could become public and any scandal could ruin their business. Although Lorraine claimed to be a devout Catholic, Penny is quoted to say that her real god is money. Wow. Yeah. According to Penny as well, Ed and Lorraine wanted her to claim that she was raped when she got the abortion, but she just said, like, I'm not doing that. And so she just went ahead and got it and didn't say anything. And then they actually picked her up from it and proceeded to, like, criticize her the whole time on the way home. That is ridiculous. Yeah. I did not know any of this. I know. I was like shocked when I was reading this. Wow. No wonder you were like, I've got some stuff to talk about. <laughs> yeah. So Penny also claims that Ed was very abusive to Lorraine and would help him. Uh, she also helped him maintain his rep- reputation as a ghost hunter. She is said to like actually be in the back of videos with like a sheet over her looking like an apparition behind. <laughs> like she was involved in like the proclaimed hoaxes. Of Of these people. Yeah. So Ed and Lorraine's daughter, Judy, and then her husband, they claimed that they took in Penny because she had like a really neglectful family and that they were on the road a lot. So Penny like looked after the house and that she actually had a long term boyfriend that she ended up marrying and that all of this is like a lie. Like it's not true. Weird. Yeah, so it's unclear if Warner Brothers took any action to respond to the allegations. They do have lots of lawsuits because there's, like, books that they're saying that the movies are portrayed off of. Like, I think Penny actually sued them at one point just due to the portrayal of their, like, happy marriage and stuff because a lot of the shit is, like, just simply not true. That sucks because, like, you know, it's just, like, you see it and you're just, I mean, but of course, again, Hollywood with even the Annabelle doll portraying something that's just so not right because people want to see this happy couple that are ghost hunters together, right? Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, it's kind of weird. It didn't look like a settlement was ever came about. But when this came out, Ed was passed away. So, like, Ed died from a heart attack on August 6, 2006 at the age of 79. So she talked about this in 2013. He didn't say anything. And Lorraine never came out and said anything because she was in her 90s. And she was like, I honestly could not be bothered. So it's literally just Penny's word. Wow. But, I don't know. She said some detailed stuff. That just were like, how would you know? And right? if Judy was at 
her grandmother's place, would she have even known? Like, would an easy thing to be like, oh, we're just taking care of her. So why did she live at your place for like 40 years? Yeah, that's absolutely crazy. And like, why did their daughter not live with them? Like, that's just like, you just yeah shipped your daughter off to not live like it's just that's crazy that that even so crazy when i read that i was like what am i honestly reading yeah (laughs) like that is the tea right and have you ever seen a real picture of ed and lorraine warren like no wonder he has heart attacks i seen just recently yeah and it was just a picture of him and it was lorraine and um their daughter and it was because it was the end of the movie i watched today and it literally just was them and i was like oh it's Okay. Because they do talk about, like, they bring up Ed's heart attacks in the last movie that I watched. It's, like, a sub-story. And so, like, apparently he did have heart attacks a lot. So he died of a heart attack. Um, It didn't happen in the Aaron case, or Arnie case, sorry. Yeah. Um, But he has it during that case. But so it's not surprising when I saw what he actually looked like. I was like, okay, well, like, he's a bigger guy. It's hard on your heart. Yeah, well, and look who they get to portray him in the movies. Yeah, which is like a Will Arnett literal lookalike. I think it's Will Arnett all the time. If you put a picture of him next to Will Arnett, they look so much alike. Yeah, it freaks me out. Definitely nothing like what you, what Ed Warren, well, you know, you don't, you get someone that literally is, yeah, so far from that. Yeah. So Judy did end up later marrying someone named Tony Spera. They had four kids together. Tony ended up helping Lorraine a lot once Ed died. He helped her take over the occult museum and helped her with things. And he had some type of like paranormal training of some sort as well. And then Lorraine did end up passing away on April 18th, 2019 at the age of 92. Yeah. So she lived quite a long life. She really did. That's That's crazy though. Yeah. So, like I said before, the Nun movie doesn't have a true story really behind it at all. No, that's why it's all just, like, the sad things. Like, oh, this could be what it's about. It's just so... That is a Hollywood movie. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I've never... I I should probably watch one of them. I don't even know if they're good. I just see it on Netflix or whatever. It has an eerie to it. There's definitely the eerie. And, like... It's, it has jump out parts, you okay. know, where like all of a sudden, or you'll see like the nun from like down the hall and you're just like, oh my God. <laughs> you know? a nun. A nun. Oh my gosh. Or like the girl will like bend down and the nun will be like right behind you. Like those types of things. I kind of like stuff like that. Like, I don't know if you saw The Haunting of Hill House. Oh yeah. And yeah. like I, after I watched The Haunting of Hill House, I watched a YouTube video and this guy had collected every single background scene where there's a ghost and it was like it was like thirty five oh, yes. minutes long, and yes. I watched it, and I was like, "Oh my god, there's so many ghosts in the background." So I Everyone. rewatched it, and I was like, "There were so many that he even missed." And I was like, "Look at right there! Look at right there! Look at right there!" Oh yeah, and I, I love like, those little details. But then they, yeah, it, it was that movie was uh, that movie that that show was so good, so good. Like, oh, but I don't know what happened with the next one. <laughs> I didn't. Bly Manor was like a love story. It was a turn, which I mean, fine, it was great for what it was, but not this. It just wasn't the like same. I liked. To know the history of the ghosts and they did it with the hill house because like you had a story and then with bly manor they just did like one episode about them and that was the yeah. best one i know it was i was so like good. oh so that's why that guy is there and that's why this person's there makes so much more sense but like, like yeah no. so but if yeah if anyone likes haunting kind of things like haunting of hell house is like genuinely 
so good. I've already, I've watched it, I think, twice. I've watched it twice, And yeah. when I rewatched it, I did, I was like, I remember one in particular, when I did see, I think it was like, I don't remember what it was on, but it was some kind of YouTube movie or something, or BuzzFeed even, I don't know, where it said all the ghosts. So I was going back and watching, and one that I seen that totally, like, got me was when she was going down to the cellar, and it was like, between the staircase. And I was like, she put her foot there! <laughs> I remember one in bad. the kitchen was like, in the window, and she's like, cooking something, and you can just see a ghost like, standing there staring at her, and I'm like, how do you not see that? <gasps> I know, when you go back I'm like there's so many it almost makes it better when you go back and see it I like those kind of shows now I want to watch it again (laughs) so uh, the Warrens actually never charged money for their investigative services which was like so weird to me because like how did you make any money then but whatever (laughs) Um, a UCL professor named Dr. Thelma Moss she actually once assessed Lorraine and said that her clairvoyance was far above average uh, in the 70s, Dr. Moss headed UCLA's Neuropsychiatric Institute, which conducted scientific experiments in clairvoyance, telepathy, and haunted houses. So they did an assessment on her by asking her, like, a ton of questions and yeah. stuff and said that she had abilities. She definitely had something, yeah, yeah. that were deep. <laughs> yeah. So Lorraine did work with law enforcement on a variety of missing person cases in the 1980s. And then in 1989, the Department of Justice actually issued a handbook describing how to work with psychiatrics and clairvoyance. That's crazy. And the last little note I have here is that Judy was didn't want to tell her classmates when she was in school that her parents were paranormal investigators. So she said that they were landscape artists. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was so funny. You see that picture there? Yeah, they painted that. (laughs) Yeah, they're like, this is what they do. They just paint these pictures and they totally don't go into these houses and fight ghosts. (laughs) I swear. I swear it. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. I want to really know if the Penny story is true. I know, but like, how would you ever? You'll know because everyone's dead. Penny's probably dead now. Yeah, I would be. Because 2013, she's in her 70s. So she's probably still alive, but she's like quite elderly. Yeah. That's crazy, though. And, like, really, nobody would ever know except for those three. Yeah. And, like, but Lorraine she, could care less. <laughs> so she is 15 or, six, yeah, let's say 15 when she moves in. So that means she's, like, 55 for four decades. That's 40 yeah, years. Yeah, it's just, like, But then she gets years. married. So did she get married after or during? Like, I'm so confused. Yeah, and it's like, okay, so what, you got married, and then, okay, I'm going home. But see, Judy says that she got married. I never read anything about Penny saying that she got married. At least not in the article that I read. And the article I read was, like, quite long. Yeah. Like, my things that I took out were just, like, the the main points. Yeah. Like, she went off about how, like, he was quite abusive to Lorraine, and, like, they, he was, like, a predator. Like, he was super into young women. And then they have a daughter. Yeah. Maybe why she didn't live at home. Maybe. Maybe Lorraine shipped her off because of that. Apparently he was just, like, not a super nice guy. Yeah, I did hear that. And, like, again, when you see him in the movies, he's this good-looking, like, super romantic. Super in love. Yeah. Yeah, in love. And that's not true at all, apparently. Ah, That's just stuff that's, like... It's, like, I get it because, like, I make movies. They made a movie about a guy that was with, like, this younger girl and all that. Really, how good would it do? I know. (laughs) But I found it really interesting that, like... The article I read came out, like, after the first movie, and it didn't get, like, any buzz, pretty much. Because, like, me and you both didn't hear about it. No, never. And, like, we watched the movies, and, like, I'm into pop culture, so, like, I usually hear about that stuff if if it's a big deal. Yeah, exactly. You know all that kind of stuff, and I'm into all types of horror movies. So, so like, like... they've made, like, how many movies based on this universe after, and it's, like, never been a big deal. Yeah. 
That's so, again, it's just like... But maybe it's because he's dead. So it's like no one can refute it or deny or accept or anything. That's the thing too, right? Like you said, like I said, there's like three people in this whole world that really know the truth of whatever it was. But I mean, it sounds... If like it's it. true, like that's really sad. That is sad. Like her whole life. Yeah. 15 to 55. What? <laughs> yeah, like four decades. Like that's insane. Like she didn't have any kids. Like I'm actually probably, I'm happy for her that she didn't have any <laughs> yeah, kids. Because say, like, like I'm that, so happy that, that she didn't have That would have been really re- weird. Like. Well, because how would you explain that? Like Lorraine has a good point. It doesn't make it good. No. At that moment, Lorraine should have had some type of compassion and been like, wow, like this is messed up now. But it's like, like I'm telling in, someone to do this. Was she in such an abusive relationship that she, she was just, just going along with? She it, couldn't obviously. do anything, and like being in that time, like yeah. she probably just felt, "I'm so invested in this marriage. Why bother?" Like, yeah, because I guess in that time, like rural area, like they have this like facade of having this happy marriage. Like if it came out, it would like just totally ruin them. Well, in, like 40 years, basically, if that is true, then that woman technically would be more his wife than Lorraine. Lorraine was probably just the outside happy wife, got her pregnant, and look, we have a kid that comes and visits. And then what's gross is he was, like, in his mid-30s when she's 15. So he's, like, over twice her age. He's getting older. (laughs) And so, like, that's gross. Yeah, like, just constantly. Like, but I I mean, she stayed, too, so I mean... It's weird. I don't know if I fully believe in Lorraine's abilities because when I was reading through these stories, it made me realize how much they weren't super involved as much as it seems it they were. It, yeah. So I'm not sure if really like her abilities did anything. Do you know what I mean? Like they're like, wow, we're experiencing really crazy things. And then she comes in and goes, demons. And then everyone's <laughs> like, oh my God, she's demons. right. You know, what I mean? like, you know what I mean? Like they're already experiencing weird stuff for someone to come in and say like, oh yeah, it's a seven-year-old girl. You know, like... <laughs> like <laughs> this woman was in a car accident this morning. Yes, yeah, she's she's with me now. It's just like you don't 100% know, which, I mean, that's a thing, even with clairvoyance and all that. It's fascinating. But I think, I think people are really good at, at... Some people are... Yeah, they're just good at, like, uh, absorbing people's energies and, like, Channeling knowing... it. And, and just knowing what's going on or... Cold reading. Cold reading, exactly. And I think, like, people don't realize, like, how good people are at cold reading. Oh, no, especially people that are like that, that can fully do that, can walk up to somebody and just know their vibe, know their energy, and it's terrifying. I've had people like that around yeah. me, and I'm like, oh, my God, do I wear it on my sleeve? Like, <laughs> please no, where's my sweater? <laughs> yeah. But, like, I've gone to a few psychic conventions, and I've, like, had my palms read and stuff like that, and... I do believe it to a sense of degree somewhat. I've definitely had ghost experiences before. Yes, I've had ghost experiences. So, like, I do believe in ghosts. Yeah. But to what a degree of all of that, I'm not sure. Because I, if I ever saw it even just once, I'd be like, for sure. Oh, yeah. Because, like, that's my whole thing. Like, yep. Get it. Yeah. Well, we can't really. Yeah, no. And that's just it. Like, even when I had my experience, it was like, okay, like. I believe in it. <laughs> yeah. I 100% believe in this. And I have, like, like, I can lucid dream. I, like, have very intense dreams. Mm-hmm. I can control my dreams if I don't like them. I've dreamt about things and they've happened later. Like, really, really random specific things. Like, I had a dream in middle school that I was hanging out with this girl who went to my middle school, but, like, I'd never spoken to her before. And I had a dream that she was, like, sitting at my desk in an orange t-shirt and was talking about, like being on MSN because this is how long ago this is I'm talking about MSN and I remember going to school the next day and I told Tiffany who's a like mutual friend of ours yeah. and 
I told her, I was like, weird, like, I had this dream about, like, Carly. And I'm like, I don't even, like, know Carly. Years later, it that exact scenario that I dreamt happened. That's so weird. Like, she was like, at my house. Like, we what? ended up becoming friends later. She was wearing exactly the same shirt. She was, like, talking about going on at MSN. And I remember looking at her, and I was like... This happened already. This literally happened. And it, that's happened a million times to me. Oh, I know. When things happen in life, and I'm literally like... Deja vu. Oh, so much. And so like, much. I'm literally like, say I'm grabbing something and I'm like, I know what I'm about to do. Oh, yep. Oh, that price is exactly what it was. And I'm like, how? And it's like the it... smallest things. And you're like, why does this even like matter? Oh, it'll, sometimes it'll literally last for a minute, but I've had it last for like a solid five minutes before we're driving yeah. or doing something. And I'm like, what? Please stop. Like, I'm, I know, I'm like, this has happened before. And then I'm like, when did I dream this? Or like, has this actually happened before? And I like, don't remember. And like, but then doesn't it just kind of like go? It just leaves. And you're like, okay, bye. (laughs) Yeah. But you don't even know it goes all of a sudden. You're just like, Oh, I like this song. And it's like gone or whatever. Something will distract you and you'll forget. You just had deja vu. I know. And like, I really think about deja vu a lot. So I like, I, my favorite book ever is this book called the beach. And I never remember the author. So like book people, if they're listening to this, I apologize, but (laughs) it was made into a movie with that Leonardo DiCaprio was in. Oh, yes. I loved that movie. So the, there's this one scene in the movie, and it talks about they're, like, laying on a beach. I'm not going to spoil anything. Great movie. Just so anyone who good. ever wants a book or a movie, the beach is amazing. So there's a scene. They go into way more detail in the book. But basically, they're laying on this beach. He's with this French lady. And they're talking about, like, they're looking up at the stars. And he basically says, more or less along the lines of, yeah, like, would you ever think that the universe is, like, replicated? That there's, like, a duplicate out there of this exact universe and that there's, like, people doing exactly what we're doing, like, right now, but in that universe. And I really, like, thought about that. I think I watched the movie first and then I ended up finding the book at, like, a thrift store and I still own it. It's, like, torn apart. But I read the book, like, eight times. It's, like, my travel book. And they go into so much more detail and basically it made me think, I'm like, what if it's true? This sounds like so weird, but what if it's true and this alternate universe, that's what your deja vu is, is because they've experienced the same thing as you. Such a crazy But maybe it's, okay, so like say there's like a, a, a fork in the road, right? And you can choose path A or path B. And so say we choose path A, but then the people in the alternate universe choose path B. So they get to some place or an event quicker than us. And that's why we experience deja vu is because they got it there first and were connected. Oh, I know it sounds so weird. It's such a crazy thought. But when though. I read the book and like watched the movie, I was like, wow, that was like so crazy. Because I experienced deja vu literally all the time. It bugs me so bad. I wish people could explain it to me. And so sometimes I'm just like, oh, that means like the other Vicky did this. <laughs> And it sounds bizarre and people are probably listening to this and being like, this is so weird, but... Where when, did this podcast just go? <laughs> yeah, but like if you if you experience deja vu all the time, like you're probably going to have like the weirdest reasons as to why it happened. And it's no more weirder than saying I dreamt it yep. than saying that there's an alternate universe. And like whatever it is, if anyone finds out, please let me know. <laughs> let us know, please, because there's been times that I think it's a dream. There's been times where I'm like, no, I did this. Like I 100% did this. I can remember what I was like wearing, the what the smell I was smelling in that moment. Yeah. It's just weird. Like it's unexplainable so weird. factors of life. Yeah. Um, when you go back and look at people with clairvoyance and things like that, it's just like, is it true? Is it true? Do they unlock something in their brain that we all have the power to, but we just like, that's the other thing that's crazy. But what about mediums though? Cause clairvoyance and mediums are also different. Yes. Like, so you can be clairvoyant, but not a medium or vice versa. But like yeah. mediums are crazy. Cause like, 
I used to watch Long Island Medium all the time. Me too. And like, like I, you couldn't cry and like couldn't not cry in an episode. But like, I, I think, I think she's just an excellent cold reader. Yeah. When right. you really look at an episode from literally just an actual biased point of view in the way of she cold reads, then you're like, wow, like she does ask a lot of questions, but you don't realize she does in such a casual way. I feel like I've thought that before when I've seen that, where mm-hmm. I've literally been like, okay, she asked about that, and now the ladies that she's talking to is acting like it's a surprise. Yeah, because she's like, oh, do you have a mother that passed in a very tragic way? Yes. And then she'll be like, my grandmother died in a car accident! Yes. And they're like, I see I see the Lexus now. And then she'll be like, Audie, 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 you're right. Yeah. I can see it was cloudy. Yeah. I really enjoy her. It's great entertainment. Whether it's true or not, I always say that to people. I'm like, I don't watch because it's true. I watch watch because it's entertaining. Yeah. And that's the same thing, though. It's the same with clairvoyance with this, with that. Yeah. You would literally never know if it's true. You would never know. Ever. Yeah. Crazy. (laughs) Well, we'll wrap up our talk about Ed and Lorraine Warren. So this was a little bit different than our usual ones, but thought I would do a paranormal type one. So thanks so much, everyone, for listening. And obviously, thank you, Tasha, for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So if anyone does want to follow the podcast, we have an Instagram. So it's Murder Sandwich Podcast. I do post every second Tuesday. So I will see you in two weeks. Bye.